Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. From New York City, we welcome you to the latest edition of Tennis Channel Live. Our pregame coverage from the 2019 U.S. Open. Happy Labor Day to everyone enjoying an extra day of rest as the summer comes to a close. We are at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center for Day 8 of the U.S. Open. Naomi Osaka is the reigning champion at these matches and she looks like she has every intention of defending her title just three games surrendered in her last match today she'll get belinda benchich rafa made it through week one without any trouble two straight sets wins and a walkover but the degree of difficulty goes up tonight against former u.s open champ marin chilich last night these were both u.s open champions novak djokovic and stan vavrinka reprising their final from three years ago same guy won, but this time Djokovic was unable to finish. As we welcome you to the Rocket Tennis Channel desk on this Monday. So glad you're with us for a holiday edition of Tennis Channel Live. Three hours of pregame coverage coming your way with John Wertheim and Martina Navratilova and Jim Courier. I'm Brett Haber. Happy Labor Day to everyone. As the second week begins, more top seeds hitting the exits. Djokovic, Barty, Pliskova all dismissed yesterday. Martina, what was your big takeaway from Sunday? You know, tennis players, 365 days in a year, you play maybe 70 matches a day in a year. So you 290 days, you are preparing for those matches. So for people to question Novak Djokovic's commitment to the game when he defaulted yesterday and booing him when he's walking off the court, that's just not on. We need to really chill because we are professionals and we want to play. We don't want to quit. You know what? I'm going to piggyback on that. I think the exact same thing. Booing is part of sports, as much a part of sports as overpriced beer, but there's certain rules. When an athlete goes like this and begs you to boo him, as Daniil Medvedev did, go ahead, boo. But you know who you don't boo? You don't boo kids, you don't boo athletes who aren't getting paid, and you don't boo this guy, a 16-time Grand Slam champion, the defending champ here, when he is clearly compromised. That was the scene last night. It was really regrettable. I hope someone conveys to Djokovic that tennis community respects what he's done. We love rivalries in the sport. <clears throat> New York versus Djokovic, though, should not be one of those rivalries. I'm going to pivot away from that uh, a little bit. The U.S. Open is really a playoff in tennis. All the Grand Slams are compared to the rest of the, of the season. And I just want to draw an analogy to the NBA. We're in the round of 16 here at the U.S. Open now. 16 teams make the playoffs in the NBA. Can you imagine if Toronto had beaten Orlando in the first round of the playoffs? 83-39? to 39? What have you thought about that scoreline? Guess how many points Roger Federer won against Davi Goffin yesterday? Three versus 15 seed, 83 to 39. Never can I recall seeing that much of a lopsided match between two top 20 players. Goffin said he wasn't feeling it. Fed said he was, but it was a stunning scoreline. 
We will have more on that beatdown and more on the reception that Djokovic got as he left the court last night. But here's what else is on tap in our three-hour extravaganza. We'll take our daily ride on the seven train, choo-choo. We'll unpack all the big storylines of this second Monday of the tournament. Mary Carrillo delivers an essay on the one thing that's been missing at the U.S. Open these past two decades. That's a Roger versus Rafa showdown. Is this the year we finally get one? And with the Tokyo Olympics now less than a year away, the gang looks at how the men and women of Team USA are shaping up and who's likely to make the roster. All of that and more coming up over the next three hours. We want to take an early look at social media on this Monday. Lots of folks reacting to reacting to the Djokovic retirement last night. And Chris Clary of the New York Times kind of piggybacking on what you two guys said. You can question his form, but don't question his toughness at this stage of his career. He's proven his resilience repeatedly. And then Chris cited the Wimbledon final as an example where he was down two match points and didn't give up. Right. And look at the bottom two. I think that's a really strong point that Chris makes that Djokovic has been here before and he played when he now thinks he probably should have cost him two years. That was the elbow injury that underwent the intervention. He knows his body better than anyone. The good news here he did say in press that he's going to try and play in Asia get used to those courts in Tokyo. So we may see him back before the end of the year. Twenty three thousand people in the stadium. Not all of them would have known that Djokovic had an MRI during this tournament. So they, they may not have had all the information. But I agree with Chris. I mean uh, Novak is tough. He showed it. He's played six hours and matches grinding it out before this was a view. It was a look to the future for him protecting what the rest of the year holds. For whatever reason Novak and the New York crowd have never had a close relationship. It goes all the way back to the beginning of his career, and it continued last night. We've got a lot to get to on our pregame coverage on this Monday. There goes the 7 train. It's headed our way. We'll take a look at all the big storylines as the second wake begins. Stay with us. Back to New York in a moment. How about the weather today? It's a nice, cool breeze to start things off. We'll keep the temperatures under 80 again. Winds are kicking back up. There is a 50% chance of rain and even some thunderstorms later on. Good news is all the singles matches now and for the rest of the tournament are played on just Ash and Armstrong with the roofs. And of course, we all send our thoughts and best wishes to everyone who is hunkering down in Dorian's path today. Here's the rundown of feature matches on Arthur Ashe Stadium. We start with the defending champion Naomi Osaka coming off that convincing win over Coco Goff. Today she gets the 12 seed Belinda Bencic. Then Sasha Zverev. How much gas does he have left for the Argentine Diego Schwartzman? In the night session, Rafa and Chilich. Four U.S. Open titles between them. And the nightcap American qualifier Taylor Townsend against the Canadian teen sensation Bianca Andrescu. All right, there's the seven train rumbling into the station. It is the best way to get out here to the U.S. Open in our daily vehicle for discussing the seven big storylines of the day at this tournament holiday schedule today. But look, there's a train coming right now. Let's hop on board. Car number one is for Novak and Stan and last night's rematch of the final from three years ago. That year, Stan came out on top. Last night, Stan came out on top. But Jim Novak could not get to the finish line. Yeah, there were uh, two heavyweights, Brett, that came out punching early. Djokovic, we were worried if he would have a drop in speed with the left shoulder problem, but he was cranking it up to try and match the power. And he was down a set, but up a break in the second set. But Favrinka finding the spot and then Novak needing help with the spot in question, the left shoulder. And this would all come crashing to a very quick end. Uh, Vavrinka continuing to press. And then in the third game, Djokovic with some odd 
shot selection to second serve and volley. He was coming in, he concedes the serve and then says that's enough for me. Time for me to get some rest and let myself heal up. All right, more on Novak's injury in just a second. But guys, for Stan, that has to represent the culmination of a, a two-year journey to get all the way back from those two knee surgeries. That looked like Stan in full flight, right? Uh, absolutely is. And it takes the body a long time to get over surgery, over an injury like that. When you have surgical intervention, the body still thinks it's injured, even though it's not. So it takes a really long time to get back organized and, and balanced and, and, and trust the body and the body to trust the knees. So it is a combination, and it's really nice to see Stan in full flight. He was amazing. 84% points when he got the first serving. When his serve is on, he's pretty much unbeatable. Usually we don't like bullying. Stan Wawrinka plays bully tennis. It was about 18 months ago he lost to Tennis Sangren in Australia, and he admitted, listen, I'm not 100%, but i got to start this comeback somewhere. Well, we saw a culmination last night. He, get this, guys, he is 6-19 against Djokovic. He has won four of their last five matches in majors, and the fifth one went to a fifth set, so he has Novak's number in these big matches. That was a great win for Stan. Sometimes players need indicators to put them in position to believe. The match that he won against Stefano Tsitsipas at Roland Garros, I believe, was a tipping point moment for Stan. He talked to his team before that tournament, said he felt like he was really close at Roland Garros. That match gave him, I think, the confidence that he could last physically. He knew he might have to last a long match against Novak last night. Didn't turn out that way, but he was prepared for it. Physically, he felt good, and mentally, he looked ready for the contest, and he was. So what now for, for Novak? The elbow has been a problem. The shoulder has been a problem. We, we always talk about how Rafa's style of play takes a toll on his body. Same can be said for Djokovic, right? Yeah, and I think we also got to go big picture on this, guys. I mean, all of these matches have great historical implications, and his not having a chance to defend here, that has implications that will last for years and years and years. And there's no question. He's got big points to defend. He's looking at holding on to that number one ranking as well. Doesn't want to get further behind in the Grand Slam leaderboard, which is likely to happen now. All right, that loss ends Novak's streak of 11 straight U.S. Open semifinals. As we head wow. to car two, that is for Roger Federer. And if you thought he was efficient in his last match when he only gave up five games, he did that one better against David Goffin, giving up just four. Yeah, we're actually not showing highlights here. We're just going to show you the whole match. Well, <laughs> almost anyway. Uh, look at the score here. Goffin up. Early break, 2-1. This could be interesting. Rogers slow starts in his first two matches this tournament. And now look at the score. 6-2-6-2-3-0. Jim mentioned the point differential in this match. Roger also broke serve nine times against a top 20 player. This was all Roger, and I suspect even before he learned that Djokovic was defeated, it was a very good day at the office. It turned into a great day when he learned that Stan had beaten Novak. When Roger's playing well, Goffin is batting practice. When he's playing well, a lot of people are batting practice. And if there was any question mark about uh, Roger's mental uh, state of mind, now he's answered him and he's ready to go. Well, he cleaned up his game, didn't he? He had 19 unforced errors in his first set of this tournament. He had 17 on the whole match yesterday against 35 winners. So he's got to be feeling uh, pretty good. But what about Goffin? That was a curious third mm. set where he just laid down and kind of gave up. Only won seven points yep. in that set, and he admitted it in press conference. And that makes me wonder about the big picture now that we're starting to ding players for less than professional performance. It's a very subjective situation. They're sitting in a room looking at video, um, nailing people for $40,000 like Carlos Suarez oh. Navarro. I'm not advocating that we should be doing this, but it certainly puts up a, a nice uh, a nice argument for lawyers for the players who get dinged yeah. up when they say, what about Gofan? Uh, 16, yeah. he, he basically blows off the third I, set. Yeah. What about me? When, when in doubt, they need to back off of that one. Yeah. Because Navarro looks like she's losing him when she's winning. So I don't know. This is a this is slippery, definitely a slippery yeah. slope. Union. Yeah.
All right, uh, by the way, for Roger, 56th Grand Slam quarterfinal, if you think that's the most ever, you would be You're correct. Right. Let's well go to car number three. That's for Serena. Not many new experiences left when you've been at this for 20 years, but Serena had one yesterday. She'd never played Petra Martic before, and Martina went pretty well. And, and I did not, not like pe playing people for the first time in a major, but, you know, she would have known what Martic is all about, and very workmanlike performance for Serena Williams. Again, lost her first service game of the match, but then never looked back, never was broken again. Just not enough firepower from Martic and Serena. Very, very much uh, in control. 38 winners, 90. Unforced. That is a two-to-one ratio. That is outstanding. And if she's going to get Wong next, the player who goes by Q in the locker room, who, by the way, upset the number two seed, Ash Barty, sort of denying us that classic matchup. Mm. But Wong, a, kind of a new face in the top 20, a pretty talented, good athlete, tall, good mover. What do you think about that match, John? She has never played Serena either. So yeah. interesting for Serena in the first. meaty parts of the tournament, a couple of uh, first-time counters you know what's interesting about Serena she had you mentioned two other seeds went out yesterday but really we've been talking about this all week it's become about how she manages the moment deep in the tournament I mean her match to match play has been terrific I think whether she wins here or not is really about how she shows up for that match she, on the final she Saturday. did twist her ankle a little bit but it's the be better one it's the right one I think she'll be okay I think she just have a sore calf but she should be okay so Serena's now two wins away from making the final Osaka's three wins away from making that rematch of last year's final who there's only one other top 10 player besides those two left in the draw. That's Alina Svitolina. Who's the biggest obstacle to that rematch of the final happening, do you think? Uh, I, I guess uh, Svitolina, uh, but no, she's, I, I, I don't know. Andreescu. Uh, I think Andreescu on the other, uh, it's Serena is the biggest obstacle. That's, oh, Serena that's winning. I mean, that's why I can't come up with any name because it, it's always Serena. It's her match to win or lose. All right, let's uh, talk about the Svitolina match from yesterday against Madison Keys. Top 10 showdown between them and car number four. Maddie had all the momentum coming off the title in Cincinnati, but Svitolina won this in straight sets. Martina, how'd she do it? Well, Svitolina served lights out first and second serves to closest. Maddie got to breaking. Svitolina served the whole match, was 30 all second serve. She never served break point never adjusted found the net so many times with her shots did not go to plan b Svitolina, on the other hand was playing very very solid even come to the net a couple times she showed her athlete uh, side yesterday really well just didn't give uh, maddie any openings and uh, maddie couldn't adjust yeah i mean that's probably the biggest word that that was missing from maddie's vocabulary vocabulary was adjust because she missed 40 percent of her returns to serve against Svitolina, not known to be one of the game's great servers Svitolina's average first serve speed 102 miles an hour that's not big second serve average speed just a shade over 80 miles an hour and maddie just never got enough shape on her shots she never gave herself an option to get into these rallies and, and that's going to be tough to swallow i would think you don't want to beat yourself svitolina is tough enough it's hard to beat her i'm not saying that was an easy match but you really don't want to take all the chances away by missing nearly half of your return of serves that should be a learning moment for for maddie she should walk away from this match never allowing that stat to happen again in a match you mentioned she's reached the second week of 13 in the last 19 majors. That was your stat yesterday. In that span, she's only beaten three players ranked ahead of her. So it seems like she gets to these second weekends, but then it's a bit of a ceiling. So disappointing result for Maddie. Yeah. Spitalina won 36 out of 39 points when her first one serve went in. That, that's, uh, you said it's not one of the biggest servers on tour. No. Maddie won't like that stat. Let's go to car number five. That is for two U.S. Open champions who will play each other tonight, Rafa and Chilich. Rafa's barely broken a sweat, winning two matches and then getting a walkover. 
Chilich at his best can cause Rafa problems, right? Is he going to cause Rafa problems tonight? Well, I, first of all, let's spare a thought for the lines people who are going to have to move <laughs> out of the way to allow for, for Nadal to stand so deep in the court and return Chilich's serve. One of the biggest factors in this match for me is going to be court speed. Uh, court speed is a little slower than, than when Chilich won here. He needs to get some free points. He needs to get that ball sliding off the court if he's using his wide serve in the deuce court to exploit the angle that Nadal will offer him. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Nadal is, is a big favorite in this match, primarily because of the court speed. Of course, Rafa's awesome. Of course, he would be the favorite anyway, but the court speed, I think, exacerbates the difference. Remember, those two met a year and a half ago in the Australian Open. Rafa won the first set, and then he pulled up injured. Rafa's looked great, though. He has not expended a lot of time on court. We mentioned yesterday he's not wrapped up. He's not taped up. Rafa on hard courts always gives us pause, but so far this tournament he's looked terrific, and he's looked healthy. Chilich has made Grand Slam finals in each of the last two years, and yet it seems like his confidence has been waning in, in these big moments. Do we, do we get why that's happening? I, I don't know why, but I experienced it firsthand in Davis Cup after the U.S. Open last year. We were playing the semifinals in Croatia, and he blinked with the lead a couple of different times. Sam Querrey came from behind and defeated him. He was actually, Chilich was serving 6-0 in, in a tiebreaker and ended up losing that tiebreaker and just couldn't quite find the court. It was sort of stunning to see a player of his record, his caliber, sort of lose his confidence in real time. And I'm not sure that he's ever quite recovered from a series of matches where he had those types of episodes. But he survived John Isner. He survived a bunch of set points. So in spite of all that, actually he shows some mental toughness in just moving on and, and keeping fighting. It just doesn't feel to me like he's got the belief that he can do it against these top guys you know he's got everybody covered but the, against the top players he just doesn't quite have the mm, yes I can do it look in his eyes. Chilich has won just 18 matches in 15 tournaments this year including the three that he's won here. Let's move on to car number six. That's for Naomi Osaka coming off the comprehensive win over Coco Goff. We'll take on Belinda Bencich today. Have these last couple of matches reminded you of Naomi from last year here? Yeah, the, the tennis was comprehensive against Goff, but so was the mastery of the occasion. I think Naomi Osaka revealed so much about herself, not just with that win and with the heavy strokes and a terrific tennis match, but she clearly is more comfortable with these surroundings, this occasion, and I would even say with herself and this new role she's occupying in the sport. I don't know if you saw on the graphic. She's 0-2 against Benchich, and one of those losses came on hard courts in Indian Wells earlier this year. The Swiss media tells me that Benchich might be a little bit injured, but I think Osaka really had, in a strange way, it was her breakthrough the other night against Goff. I think it was uh, Benchich is dealing with some foot issues that she's had this summer, but even when she's fully healthy, Osaka just has come of age, I think, in these majors, and she's embracing it. And again, for a tennis player, you do so much hard work. This is the payoff. Playing in the majors, playing later stages of the majors, that's the payoff. So she's got it all going on when, when the chips are down. Who knew that John had sources in the Swiss media, right? Like I that? mean, you have my people everywhere. Let's go to the caboose, car number seven. That's for Gael Monfils. And this past week, he has been entertaining and focused and winning all at the same time. Kind of reminds us of the run that he made three years ago here to the semifinals. Could you guys see him making a similar run or even a further run? 
look, it, it, he's in that section of the draw where someone surprising is going to make it to the semifinals. He's got Andahar today, Berrettini and Rublev. Those are the other players that are all battling for that one spot in the semifinals, presumably against Nadal if he's able to get through. But it's, it's a huge opportunity for Gael, and he's in good spirits. He's certainly enjoying the crowd here and there, giving the love back and forth. And the question is, if he does get there, can he please perform a, a little bit better uh -huh. than when he played against Novak? That was such a bizarre yeah, match. Weird. He actually tanked his way back into the match. Weird. So strange. <laughs> so strange. He, he's looking a lot better mentally, and I think that relationship with Svitolina has really been good for both of them. She's a little more relaxed, and he is more intense, and they both needed that, so they're feeding off each other, and it's really nice to see him, and he's healthy. So, yeah, good things could happen here for him. And always the smile. Yeah. This guy is the court jester of tennis. We'll take him because it is nothing but benevolent. Happy belated 33rd birthday to Gael, who celebrated last night. That's the seven train for this Labor Day Monday. It'll be rolling into the station each day at this time. We'll be back on TC Live in just a moment. Back on TC Live, we say good morning to Paul Anacone. Happy Labor Day, good sir. Yeah, happy Haber Day. Oh, wait, I mean, Labor I, Day, wait. Paper, so good, I'm going to get a T-shirt made up. Ad libs are the ones you practice. <laughs> um, we want to get to the other key men's matches from yesterday, uh, starting with Daniil Medvedev. And when last we saw Mr. Medvedev on Armstrong Stadium, he was flipping the old bird to the crowd. So <laughs> he returned to the very same stadium last night against the German qualifier Dominic Kupfer, and they were on him again, Paul. They sure were, and Kupfer did a terrific job early in the match, stealing that first set, playing solid tennis. And Medvedev is as emotional as as he's been and as outspoken as he's been got his composure started playing better tennis more offensive tennis and one of these guys that just has an awkward game can do a lot of things very effectively got the second and third set got into a battle here and then at the end of the fourth came through in the tie break did a good job breaking six of ten break chances little dance move he's got a lot going on upstairs between the ears on the courts Jim a lot of good variety. All right, so 48th win of the year for Medvedev. He again went at it with the crowd. I don't like the backpedaling Medvedev nearly to. as much as I like the heel Medvedev from the other day. <laughs> Do you like the tennis he's playing? It, oh, that's, everybody likes that. Yeah, right? so so we'll, we'll put a pin in that for right now as far as what he's doing with the crowd. But the, the tennis has been exceptional all summer long. But how's the body holding up? He said in press also that he's uh, he has his shoulder strapped up, his groins are strapped up as well because he had the cramps from a few days ago. That's the problem in the lower, lower half. And he's just kind of on painkillers. He said he felt numb out there. He wasn't sure whether it was the painkiller or the adrenaline that got him through it. But where is he going to be? He's going to face another physical test against Stan Wawrinka. It's not Novak Djokovic. We're looking at possibly that rematch of their four-hour bruising battle in Australia. It's going to be Wawrinka. That's going to be a very physical contest. The crowd's going to be very much for Stan Wawrinka no matter what. And they'll have probably picked up on, on his uh, energy that he's taking from them and probably offer some, I would think. All right. I uh, look forward to how they respond on the even bigger stadium. Arthur Ashe, 48th win of the year for Medvedev is the most on tour. Let's uh, check out the grandstand match between Dimitrov and Demonor. Paul, the Aussie was coming off the upset over Kane Shikori. Could not back it up. Boy, talk about a barometer check for Grigor Dimitrov down on his confidence. Ranking has been slipping. And in Aust uh, this Australian was someone that's going to give you 
no room at all. First set was a little choppy for Dimitrov. Played good tennis at the latter stages of the first set. Dimitrov up 6-5 here. Again, Dimitrov is just one of the best athletes on tour. So athletic, is able to do so many things effectively. Got the first set and then really kind of took control. Used my favorite catchphrase, Brett. Variety. To offense. There he did. Thank yep. Grig Grigor Dimitrov. And he used that slice backhand, create opportunity, make uh, Alex Dimonor create his own pace, which he doesn't like to do. Grigor only faced one break point, Jim, and yeah. held it. Yeah, well, we talk, I talk a lot about Dimonor's speed. Dimitrov used his today well. And so off camera, I can already hear Mary taking credit for Dimitrov's success from the coach's <laughs> corner advice that you guys have put together. Here's the draw. What do we, so we have no number one anymore, but we got two, three, and five alive, but we also have some unseated players still alive. I want to let Jim take this since I've given him 1.6 seconds to talk. <laughs> good, to good tossing. Good, <laughs> good Jim. Look for Dimitrov. This is so important for his confidence, but so to his ranking. He is going to move up uh, from 78 to 42. If he loses to Federer, obviously higher, but he'll be back in the top 50. Well, last positive trajectory, so he really needed this boost. Some some discussions over whether he was still being coached by Andre Agassi and Radek Stepnik. He put those to bed in his press conference. He said they're definitely still my team. So for him, uh, he is moving in a forward direction, but he's going up against a very informed Roger Federer. So can can I ask, has he actually started to click again, or does this have a little bit to do that he's had a? Pretty favorable Both. draw. Both. Yeah. He's had a good draw, no doubt about it. But Demonor is a tough out. He is. The fact that he, I thought Demonor was going to beat him, frankly. The fact that he was able to stifle Demonor, and Demonor got frustrated. Clearly, he made a, a slew of unforced errors. Demonor made 44 unforced against only 20. So Dimitrov had the offense and the defense going yesterday, Paul. Yeah, as our great Mary Carrillo would say, he was very undemonorian yesterday with okay. all those unforced errors. And a lot of that is because the variety from, um, uh, Grigor so so good at using variety then coming forward and to me I was really impressed with his ability to take care of his serve. I mean Demonor is one of the best returners in the game and to face only one break point over three sets clearly he watched Jim and I in coach's corner early on in the week to Mostly figure out how you. to hold the serve better. Mostly Fifth you. career slam quarterfinal Dimitrov first in the last seven slams. We'll take a break here when we come back we'll Take a look at the key women's matches from yesterday. Paul, you want to toss to Jim with three what seconds before the break? Jim, what do you have to say? Train, that, was, that was a train wreck. That was a seven train. <laughs> Right at our rocket desk, we are joined by Linda Denborn. Good morning. Thank you for allowing me up here. Yes, yeah, please. Well, we'll let you in once in yeah. a while. Security. Well, Paul, I'll try to. <laughs> well, security. Can I ask you what happened to the French Open champion using to cue a qualifier? Wong yeah. Chung, the way she did. You know, we hadn't seen Barty's best tennis throughout this tournament. She played one of the worst sets actually I've ever seen her play in her opening set at this tournament. And that kind of just continued in this tournament. She was trying to get better. She was fighting. But she just didn't have the level that we saw in Paris. And Wong is a very, very tough opponent, a player who quietly has been playing better and better every year. And Barty, she needs her serve, and she needs to put some pressure on second serve returns. Barty only won 
uh, excuse me, Wong won 65% of her second serve points. That's where Vardy should be looking to attack it, and she just didn't have that today. She doesn't seem to have the pace on her shots that she had before. She's still doing the variety, but you need to have the pace to go with the variety, otherwise the variety doesn't pay off. But the biggest number, zero for nine break points for Ash Barty. Just really, where she has been so good on the big points, that's how bad she was yesterday the other way. Well, how about, how about this qualifier? Good. I mean, just an impressive effort. 14 unforced errors to 40 for Ash. Yeah, the frustrating indeed. And by the way, she's not a qualifier. That's her nickname is Q. Unforced error from me already. <laughs> I'm I'm one here Join the club. Join the club, Mayor. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Hopefully I'll have a couple of winners too. All right, what about <laughs> Konta Pliskova? Were you surprised by the fact that Joe Konta was able to get through? Pliskova the way she did. Well, Pliskova has not been playing her best tennis. She has struggled. She's gotten through, but she has not played her best tennis in the in the big events this year. And same was the case uh, yesterday. Conta just had a bigger game. She basically out hit Karina Pliskova. It doesn't happen too often to her. But the biggest uh, Achilles here for Pliskova was her second serve. She only won 23% of the points on her second serve. Didn't serve great. And Joe Conta's really upped her game. She has so much more to bring than just hitting. She's got the slices, the, the volleys, uh, the drop shots. She's mixing it up much better, moving well, playing more relaxed tennis. Yeah, they play similar styles in terms of both big hitters, both re rely on big first serves. So impressed that Conta was able to hang in there when Pliskova was playing good tennis and then able to dominate in the third set. She was by far the more aggressive player. She was the one taking chances, and it was, it was huge for her. She went into this match with a 1-7 record exactly. against Pliskova. Not easy to turn that around in such a big match. She has played every round so well. We're, we're missing some big names, and there is a chance that if Naomi Osaka does not defend her title, she'll lose her number one rank. What do we think of Svitolina Conta? Boy, that's a tough one. Well, Joe Conta, the way she played exactly. against Pliskova, I mean, a completely different opponent in Svitolina. I mean, it's a matter of uh, whether Conta will beat herself or not. But Svitolina has been more aggressive as well. I, I give Svitolina still a slight edge, but Joe Conta, if she keeps playing the way she did yesterday, she's got a good shot at it. Well, for me, I'm just going to be very interested to see how Serena Williams pulls up, right? Yeah. She went over on that ankle, playing some terrific tennis. And look, I've... I've as you guys have, you've done your ankles a lot. You never really know until the next day how you pull up and how yeah. you feel. So let's hope that she's uh, healthy because Serena's playing great tennis. Yeah, if the form continues, it definitely seems like we'll have a repeat of last year's final, Osaka-Serena. You guys talked about it earlier. Andrescu is the big wild card in, in that draw because she has the ability to play her best tennis against these best players. And exactly. she's played well so far in this tournament. Still a lot to play for. Contes Vitalina matches really on Conta's racket. I mean, if she's able to yep. dictate play and serve well, Maddie wasn't able to do that, just missed too many balls. If Conta can keep those unforced errors down, she's got a real good shot to get the semis here. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> You're ready. I'm ready. All right, nothing to add. We're Lin gonna Lindsay and Paul said it all. We're going to preview uh, the upcoming women's matches later in the show as TC Live continues. Labor Day Monday. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. 
Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. This March at Indian Wells was just the second tournament Elise Mertens and Arena Sabalenka had ever played together. They won that title. Then a week later in Miami, they said, why don't we play this one together too? And they won that title also. The Sunshine Double in doubles. And they have been one of the hottest teams in the world ever since. As we welcome you back to Tennis Channel Live and back by popular demand, it's the TC Live double segment, the only segment in global television devoted exclusively to doubles and to puns about Mertens and Burtons. So, so Paul, that's your specialty. Do you want to take this first no, highlight? I'm with gonna, the? I'm going to take the fifth. Really? <laughs> well, we're kind of counting on you here. Sabalenka and Mertens yesterday against Galyevich and Soribes Tormo. Who was hurting between Mertens and the other people. Uh, Mertens and Sabalenka played a good match. They're such a good team because they do everything well. Both these two are great baseline players. They also can volley well. And Mertens with her great court sense knows where she wants to go on the court, knows where she needs to be. And these two, they have a lot of fun also on court. You don't always see that when these players play singles. They really show their personality in doubles. And a good, straightforward win for Sabalenka and Mertens. I don't know what to rhyme with Sabalenka, bro. Uh, that's a tough one. I'm not sure there, there is one. But we'll look into it. 6-3 and 7-5 in an hour, 21. Meanwhile, no more court five for Coco Golf and Katie McNally. Too popular for that. On Armstrong against Peschke and Melikar. And this place was packed. These two bring so much energy to the, to the game and to the court itself. They just outplayed Malikara Peshki. Uh, really, you know, again, youthful ex exuberance. They went for the big shots, but they know how to play. They have yet to lose a set in any competition. This is a team of the future if they keep going. 6-3-7-6 with that title in D.C. They might be the team of the present. And they had to save set points in the second. <laughs> it was a very, very close end of the second set. The tiebreak was back and forth. We love the... the how these two youngsters know how to play and where to go. Yeah, I mean, it's just amazing. Number one, when you have that energy, it helps a lot. Number two, to have the technique and the strategy to back it up. They combine so well together. Even in the one-up, one-back situation like they were in a lot of the time, you see uh, Katie McNally at the net with great hands and Coco with great power. Just fun to watch. They, they have no pressure. They're enjoying it so much. They're not playing not to lose, they're playing to win. And uh, these veterans, they're shaking in their boots. I know I would be if I was, you know, 35 and these guys are coming up and they have nothing to lose and they're playing great tennis. Not even 35 combined. No, and yeah. to, to me, look, we often talk about when's doubles going to get more visibility? Guess what? I mean, this is awesome for the game of doubles. I'm a huge doubles fan. And to see these two young ladies out there competing at this level with this kind of energy, it's just great. Yeah, who could pack? A main stadium for doubles. It, you have to get the stars playing. That'll get more interest. And to see everyone so curious about Coco Goff, but good for Katie McNally yep. to be able to go out on that stage, also get that experience. She got to play on Ash against Serena in singles, and now they're lighting it up on the doubles. A lot to be excited for moving forward. We had Katie on the show yesterday with John and Mary, and she talked about how the two of them got together at a junior tournament a couple of years ago and knew right away that they had something special 
No kidding, huh? They, they really do. So let's segue to the men's doubles, and we will start with no Andy Murray at this U.S. Open, but we do have Jamie Murray and Neil Skupski against Bopana and Shapovalov. Boy, they were sharp. It was really impressive, not only the win, but what they did for them uh, to not lose serve and win only 10 of 26 second serve points tells you something about their doubles prowess. These guys are playing great at the net, even when they're trying to dodge Shapovalov's rocket ground strokes. A really nice effort effort um, from Murray and Skupski really did, did a good job yesterday. So this is the top half of the men's doubles draw as Murray and Skupski await the winner of that All-American showdown today as the Bryans meet the Jacks, Sock and Withrow. Mike Bryan playing with his twin brother against the guy with whom he won this tournament a year ago. We're back in a moment. If you follow or are as interested in tennis as a lot of us are around here you've got to follow behind the racket I cannot believe John how open so many players have been to this platform especially about mental health yeah that's something that's come out I mean look this, this is in some ways a, a very gratifying line of work it can be very remunerative it also can be very tough and very lonely and I think I mean he mentioned sort of the breaking down the fourth wall yeah. honestly I think it helps that it's a former play, a current player that the colleague that's running this platform that's exactly why they trust him because you have that instant connection with another athlete particular player with another player you have this connection and this trust that you don't have with other people, certainly not with the press, because you never know what they're going to do with it. So th then you end up revealing a lot more than you thought you would. And it's great that these players uh, can, can kind of relax enough to get it out there. And then they realize it's helping them and it's helping others. So it's kind of the pass it forward type situation. And Mar Martina, uh, you have players there uh, like, I mean, Madison Keys talking about an eating disorder, Andre Rublev, yeah. people talking about depression, about right. family death, about why they continue to struggle, about how often they've thought of quitting. It's, it's very revealing. But perhaps not to think about this. He's had a very small platform tennis-wise, but now he's made it huge. And he, he, who knows where this uh, where this will take us in the future? But uh, magic stuff. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not always a place for players to explain themselves. And Martinez, yes. as you say, this is not filtered through anyone else. Yeah. I mean, this is this is their words. I also give Noah a lot of credit. I mean, there's also a lot of downtime in this job. We've seen players take up musical instruments, learn new languages, launch fashion and apparel brands, and this is something that he's done between matches. Well, uh, by the way, uh, Noah tried to qualify here for the U.S. Open. He didn't make it. He's ranked 196 he's in, in the New world Haven right now. Keeps he's trying. playing in his first round of a challenger in New Haven, Connecticut today. Good luck to him. Good yeah. luck to this whole site. It's really something special. All right, going to take a break. Someone who is very much still alive the U.S. Open is this woman. Coco playing dubs with Katie McNally, second on in the grandstand today. Gael Monfils plays today, and if you think that's a gratuitous excuse for us to show that again, you're totally right. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I mean, this is incredible. I'm not sure I'd try that in practice, have my player try in practice. Too much risk. 
Unless you're Gael Monfils, because right, he, he knows normal. how to just do that. Just match point for him. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's just, just a regular old Monday for him. He's going to play Pablo Andujar today in the round of 16. We'll talk more about Monfils in a second, but Andujar, what a story. You guys talked about it yesterday. He's one of the most well-liked guys in the locker room. And, Paul, after all he's been through, how, how do you not pull for him, right? Yeah, we were talking about it. Three elbow surgeries, 33 years of age, and now playing great tennis in the fourth round of a major for the first time. Big win over Kyle Edmund, first round in five sets. Then he's won straight sets since then. One would think Kyle Monfils has too much firepower, but for Pablo Andahar, this really is just a celebration to be out here still. He's going to compete his backside off as he always does. Just not sure he has the weaponry to uh, make Monfils uncomfortable. It feels like one of those matches that's totally on Monfils's racket. We know what Andahar is going to do, and one of the beautiful things about well, feast and frustrating things is not even he knows what he's going to do today, <laughs> most likely. So it's, it's going to be a fun match to watch because anything goes and you're likely to see some highlight shots for sure. So, so answer this question for me about Monfils, who is so supremely talented. If, if a fan were to say, and some fans have said this, gosh, he's so gifted. He should have won a Grand Slam by now. The response to that is what? Well, first of all, he's traveling in, in some pretty deep waters when he's playing in this era pretty difficult for anyone to break through but he certainly has the ability when you look at some of the players that, that have you say if he could have put all the pieces together why not him but that's just not happened and that's you know that is what it is yeah I, I think the statement yeah and I think it is the biggest thing that we don't talk about really for those folks outside the big four is that in order to win a major, you probably have to beat at least two of those guys if you're not one of the big four. You can have the hot day. Monfils has had some big wins at majors, but to win two matches against those guys, three out of five sets, that's a tough task. He's never, just to put a button on it, he's never absolutely embraced the correct style of play, for my opinion. Too defensive? He, too defensive. He has offensive skills he leaves in the bag. Uh, he has as much firepower as anyone when he decides to use it, but oftentimes he likes to stay back. Here's the Grand Slam resume. I mean, not solid. Quarter, if it's quarter semis, fourth round semis. I mean, those are good results. It's just you look at what could be and you go, maybe it could be better than that. Two semis, six quarters, and that's the whole story for Monfils. He's got all three meetings, as you can see, against Pablo Andujar. From the same quarter of the draw, we will have Andre Rublev against Matteo Berrettini. That was a really nice win by Rublev the other night against Kyrgios. He had to beat Tsitsipas in the first round. He's had a rough draw. Kyrgios coming in with a, a lot of attention for sure and a lot of firepower on the serve. Rublev with more firepower on the ground strokes, however. He was slashing and burning his way through Nick, and he uh, took care of Nick at night, and um, it's pretty impressive. This guy's had some real injury issues that have stifled his growth, but he's fast rising. I like the color of his hair. I can relate to that. And, uh, <laughs> he's going up against Berrettini. Berrettini, I was reading, trying to be the second Italian male uh, in the open air to reach the quarterfinals. Last time was in 77, Berezuti. Mm, Carrado Berezuti. Uh, is he, Rublev, one of the biggest hitters in the game now? I think so. I think what he does so well, too, is he gets up on the baseline, right? He takes the ball early, and he has a, 
a little bit of a, of a Davidenko style about him where he's got the quick hands and the racket head speed through the line of the ball. Court positioning really good. Can be a little bit vulnerable on the second serve. But I'll tell you, since he's gone through the injury stuff, since he's had uh, the stress fracture in his back, he's had some issues. And I think he had a hiccup after getting to the semifinals in Washington 2018, having some match points and losing that. I think that set him back a little bit mentally. But boy, oh boy, the last couple months he's been on fire. Berrettini is a really good clay court player. He's, he hasn't done that much on hard courts. In fact, he'd never even won a match at the U.S. Open before this year. Are, are we surprised to see him this deep well, in this his tournament? His court success, though. He Berrettini, totally has. Berrettini yeah. kind of surprised there by winning mm -hmm. the title, beating Felix in the finals in the run-up to Wimbledon. But he's built like a linebacker. This guy is an absolute bruiser. The, the balls are going to be screaming in pain in this match between these two players for sure. But Berrettini... A, a group of Italian players have really benefited from being able to kind of grow up, staying at home, playing a lot of futures and challengers, and now they're seeing the fruit of that. I think they had nine in the main draw of both the, the, Ita uh, mm -hmm. both the French and Wimbledon. I didn't count here because I'm fatigued. But <laughs> they're a, the Italian men are doing well, and Berrettini is, uh, is among them. Yeah, Berrettini, uh, two titles this year in Budapest and Stuttgart. In Stuttgart, he won the title without ever having his serve broken, so watch for him hitting big bombs today. We will have Diego Schwartzman and Sasha Zverev playing today. Sasha Zverev has played 14 sets of tennis in three matches, Paul. What's our gas tank concern for him? You know, he's always pretty good in terms of the endurance and the ability to play long matches, but gosh, I just wish he'd play a few less of them, and that's one of the reasons why he struggled to break through at the majors. Um, you know, I, this is going to be an interesting matchup because uh, Sasha Zverev's playing. Uh, I believe the second most successful returner of serve, mm -hmm. especially on the second serve uh, uh, lookout on tour in the last couple of years. And we know Sasha has struggled a little bit with his second serve lately. So this is kind of a lookout and be careful match for Zverev. That, that's a very good point. That's certainly something to watch for, those second serves from Zverev and how he attacks them. He's been erratic and how he's going after his second serve and as well as his locations, his speeds have been up and down the map. Uh, he's also just had to spend about four and a half hours more time on court than Schwartzman. That is going to make this one challenging, I would think, physically for him. I and mean, he's, he's still in the tournament. That's good news. But when you've seen, seen him make deep runs at Roland Garros, it's been similar to this pattern where by the time he gets to the second week, he just doesn't have enough in the tank to challenge. Today's match is really going to challenge him, Brett. Third Grand Slam quarterfinal for Diego Schwartzman, one of them coming here two years ago at the Open. That brings us to the night session tonight. Rafa Nadal and Marin Cilic, two guys who have won this tournament before. Rafa has been playing just lights out so far. What does Cilic have to do? What can Cilic do to give Rafa a hard time? Well, he's going to need a high first serve percentage, isn't he? Nadal's likely to stand very deep in the court to return serve. So for Cilic, he'll probably need to try and serve wide in both courts quite a bit to get Nadal out of play and then, and then he's got to stay on the front foot. Uh, Marin Cilic, a very capable offensive player. He can bang balls and also he's tall enough to handle Nadal's forehand into his backhand side, but he's going to need to be very precise with his ground strokes and try and uh, eliminate Nadal's offense. 
cooler conditions. They're playing at night. The court's slow. This all lines up well for Nadal, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest key is how much can Marin Cilic just free up and play. We've seen him struggle a little bit in some uh, tough situations. He got through one against John Isner, which is a great sign. I actually think this match is easier for him to play because the expectations aren't there. He's not supposed to beat Rafa. And uh, so for him to be able to go in there and be able to play power tennis like he did um, in Australia a couple years ago where Rafa had to retire um, because he was injured. But let's not forget that leading up to the retirement, Marin Cilic was playing great was. tennis and was pushing him around Much the court. Much faster yep. court in Australia. Yep. Yep. That's, true. That's true. All right, if Rafa does win, he will have made his 40th career Grand Slam quarterfinal. That's 10 years worth of Grand Slams making the last eight. We're going to take a break here. Much more to get to on TC Live. Naomi Osaka having a morning workout. We know she's watching TC Live while she does. Good morning, Naomi. Happy Labor Day. She will be laboring against Belinda Bencic later today. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Here's what's uh, coming up on the show this morning. In addition to that smile, we'll preview more of today's fourth rounders on the women's side, including Taylor Townsend's first journey into the second week of a major. We'll check out who's in the running to make Team USA for the Tokyo Olympics next year. And John has his annual Ode to Labor Day. He toils while you rest. Our viewership for TC Live has gone up by one, two, three, four, five, six people. Good morning. Seven, eight, nine. Back with Lindsay and Martina, we continue to show this week the art of Gael Monfils being a superhuman, but I like that we keep going back to the art of human beings being human. And Naomi Osaka, that's nice stuff. And she plays today against Belinda Bencic. She, she needs 12 o'clock. Yeah, save the crying for after the match, hopefully for tears. It was a cry fest. What an amazing moment. This is going to be iconic. Uh, this is going to be one of those things that you show your kids. This is how you behave. This is how you act. Win or lose, you need to be a champion human being. And these two are that. And I'm just so looking forward to the future. I just looked into the bright lights. I can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lindsay? Yes. Is Naomi Osaka, she says that once she gets to this stage, she just gets better and better. That's bad news for Belinda Benjamin. Uh, it is. It, it'll be interesting because obviously a little less focus on this match than there was the other night. Yes. I mean, that was a huge match. I give Osaka so much credit. That's when you know she's just a natural champion. The bigger the match, the better Osaka plays. And she was ready to go against Goff. So, much, so many eyes looking in on that match today. Day match on Ash. Not. A, I don't think it'll be packed. Weird weather. Kind of. Yeah. It, it, there won't have that same amount of energy that we no. saw the other night when Naomi was playing Coco Golf. So we'll see. It, understandably, if she's a little bit flat, just based on the energy there. But a lot of question marks on Benchich yeah. and her health. She had to retire out of her last tournament. We weren't sure if she was going to play here. She is playing here. If she's got playing, a foot. If she's got a foot issue. And if they do end up closing that roof on Ash, the storms are predicted to come right around the time that match starts. It's a it's a hitter's court in there and perfect conditions for Osaka to serve well and hit big ground strokes. Benchich has to be able to defend. We'll have to see how she's moving early. I think for Osaka, I mean, she played so well when the pressure was on. OK, pressure's off, maybe a little bit let, let down, but also relief. Yes. Now she can just play tennis. She knows the game is there. She knows the head is there, and it's on her racket. So I think for it could be relief if you can get up for a round of 16 
you know, it's open match, you got problems. But uh, I think she can smell the finish line there. And if anything, uh, I think she's going to play better and better. How do finish line smell? Good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you, that's what you want. You know, that light in the tunnel is getting bigger and bigger. All right, Donna Vekic and Gerges. What about that? What, what are we thinking? Uh, well, 3-0. Uh, uh, Gerges yeah. has beaten her every time. One close match, the other two. Uh, it should be, uh, it's on, on, on Gerges' racket. She's a better player. She's played better tennis here. But Donna Vekic, she's dangerous. When she can out hit anybody. So if, if Vekic is run on down and Gerges is off, she can win that match. But it, it should be Julia, Julia Gerges wins. You think that. Julia, the German wins? I'm what picking her up. I, I think it's is a hitter's match. But for Gerges, it's a player. She's She's been ranked so high. She's had big wins. And she's been able to dominate this tournament with her two most important shots, her serve and her forehand. When those are off, her game goes way off, but so far in this tournament, she's been able to have control of her two biggest weapons. Absolutely huge for Gerges. If she serves well, Vekic can't get ahead in those rallies. That's going to be huge. And this is a hitter's match out here. Both these players like to hit hard from the baseline. Not tons of margin. I'm very impressed with how Vekic has been able yeah. to really raise the level of her game this entire season. Yes. She's really announced herself. We've talked a lot about her when yep. she was young. She now looks like she's ready to play on these bigger stages. I think she's got a great chance at the upset. All right, how about this one? Mertens uh, against the American, the 29-year-old Christy Ahn, who's become one of my favorite stories of the 2019 U.S. Open, Martina. Oh, this is Lindsay's. Oh, okay, <laughs> never mind. Lindsay's doing this match. <laughs> Lindsay, Christy Ahn. Your thoughts? Yes, Christy Ahn, I mean, she's been really the feel-good story of this tournament, and what an ending against Ostapenko. Ostapenko, the Leisman called this serve out. There was no challenges left for Ostapenko. Overruled, game set match on, and such emotional scenes from Christy on. She's waiting to hear what happened there. I love the tears that ensued. She has been toiling yeah, on really this has. tour for so long. She first played here, what, 11 years ago? Yes. Went to college. A lot of pressure for her to be in education and, and be in the career or play tennis. <laughs> She's read it out. I mean, you got to understand that earlier in the week, Someone thought she was Naomi Osaka, and then when she heard someone else in the crowd correct her and say, no, that's Christian, she knew she had made it. This is what she put after her last round. Ah, oh, what a run. She probably doesn't have a lot of experience with security guards at these tournaments. <laughs> right. uh, truly, honestly, for a player she, she, that's now in the round well, of 16 for the first time. Hey, the way she's built, she could be the security guard. But uh, what a great uh, what a great story this is, and uh, she finally can celebrate. She's put together with, you know, I mean, duct tape and... Uh, uh, I'm surprised she didn't have a needle somewhere to sew everything together, but fantastic effort and uh, definitely keeping our fingers crossed. Tough matchup against Mertens, who is yeah. a complete, solid player. She doesn't give really anything away, and she's going to be a very tough out, I think, for Christiane. Got to play one of her best matches, but she's played inspired tennis so far. All right, Martina, would you would you care to weigh in on this next uh, one? No, that's Lindsay too. No, okay, <laughs> I'll, talk, I'll talk about that. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Townsend and Bianca Andreescu. Yeah. This is going to be a fun, fun match. Never played before, which is the case with most of the people for Andreescu. She's so new on the tour. But uh, Taylor Townsend served in volley almost 200 times in How good this is tournament. That? How good is and, that? And uh, she she is playing her best tennis, obviously, of her career. Cumulative pressure with that Serena Valley, and uh, you know she's got nothing to lose. Andrescu will be feeling the pressure, and she will be playing somebody that she hasn't seen play like that because nobody's Serena Valley. So she'll be, she would have been practicing that lefty serve and, and probably some lobs, Andrescu. But we'll see really great shot making from both players. So I'm she's knocked out a her. couple of Romanians. She's the only place where she probably isn't popular right now is like it's the Romania. Bucharest area. Yeah. <laughs> um, you like Taylor Townsend? Does she have a, a, a good look at beating Andrescu? 
I mean, she definitely has a chance, but I, I've liked the way Andrescu's look so far in this tournament. She comes in as a low-key favorite to win this tournament, and she's played very solid tennis throughout. I was impressed with how she was able to go through Caroline Wozniacki. It's a tough two-set battle, but Andrescu, one of those few players that has feel and has power. She's also a problem solver. I think she's going to try and figure out a way to not allow Taylor Townsend to take over the net. You're going to see some lobs. We didn't see him from... Halep. We didn't see him from Kirstea. I think Andrescu is going to make it very yeah. difficult for Taylor to get a lot of volleys above the height exactly. of the net. You think so too? Yeah, I think Andrescu's got much more variety. Halep yeah. wasn't able to adjust her game plan. Never Andrescu for me is a Martina Hingis possibly in the future with more power. Yeah. She's got the variety and I think that she's going to use all of it against Taylor today. Do you remember back in 2013, Martina, <laughs> we were wondering who among the players could actually play with a wooden racket? There she is. Taylor Townsend crushed it. You know, she's got she's got old school grips, doesn't she? She adapted very quickly. Yeah. I mean, as good athletes will, she uh, she changed the, you know, the trajectory of her ground strokes. And I I became to realize I, I realized how difficult it is to play with those wooden sticks. I had a hard time Why getting ball over the service there, line. Yeah, I well, see you. No one out asked there. me to hit. But no, what what I loved, what I loved <laughs> was how clever she was. With, yep. I, you give a lot of these players with their extreme grips Can't. and you know the built-in power of the strings and the rackets. Taylor just said, "Yeah, sure, well, I'll try this." She adapted and she did great. Made total sense to her. I love that. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. All right, so that's what's coming up. The winners today will move into the quarter-pound match. Diego Schwartzman gets Zverev a major height difference, a major difference in the way they go about trying to win points. That could be a beauty. We'll talk about that. Thank you very much. Come on. Is it going well to happen, kids? <laughs> is it going to They've played each other so many times. Look at the times they've faced each other at the other three majors. And look at that bottom line as we look at the Tennis Express head-to-head. -head. First of all, yeah. does it, does it, I mean, how big a deal would it be if these two mixed it up in New York? A massive deal. This audience in New York City has seen them play many, many times, but on television. Exactly. They're, they're looking forward, we're all looking forward to this. And as we look forward in the draw, what do you I mean, think? There, there's, some, there's still some problems there. The way Vavrinka played last night, that, that is yeah. worrying, certainly at the level he is. Nadal's probably played the best tennis of any of the top guys, the cleanest ball so far. Chilich, again, I like I like his chances. I like I probably like Nadal's chances better to get to the final on in the draw okay. than uh, than Rogers at this point. But I like them both, to be fair. You, you mentioned Stan last night after the match. A French journalist tweeted out, "Might we finally get Federer Nadal?" And Stan retweeted and said, "Yeah, I'm just going to go home." <laughs> uh, so clearly, Stan's others busy are busy on social the, media uh, same now. Thought. Stan is great on social media, but though we've had these sliding doors scenarios. I mean, we were one Novak Djokovic forehand return away from Federer Nadal here, but it just hasn't happened. Yeah, it was two years in a row, and I sat in the front row of the players' box and saw 2010 and 11 when Novak came back from two match points down in the semis against Roger. Look, was that bad coaching? It was bad coaching. <laughs> Sounds like play the play the match points better. Uh, uh, but, but look, so much is about what these guys are, are so good at, which is staying in the moment. As much as we want them to get there, the fans want them to get there, they're so good at appreciating and respecting the players that they play. At this stage in the tournament, both Rafa and Roger realize 
one little hiccup and it can be over pretty quickly. So let's hope for the best, but there's still a lot of tennis yeah, we, ahead. We want this more than they do. They, they <laughs> just want to win the tournament. Right. They don't really care. I'm sure. They what would care. the fan noise sound like but, if oh, Rafa yeah. played Roger? Can you imagine? At, at this stage in the game with these stakes, keep in mind, too, they played each other at the French Open this year and at Wimbledon this year. Correct. Can we not get three for three? Well, yes, Paul. I just want to say the one time that stands out in my mind about crowd noise here is I remember in 2002 when Andre and Pete played each other in the finals and it was the last of their matchups and I remember sitting in the stands and they showed them in the hallway like literally two minutes before they showed them in the big screen this stadium I've never heard noise like that I suspect if Rafa and Roger played yeah. and we saw the same picture Arthur Ashe Stadium's hat may be blown off the foundation. <laughs> I've got to say, though, you keep calling it crowd noise. They're patrons here in New York. They're very sophisticated. It's not the masters, man. Yeah, right. They're were they, were they patrons were booing last night? <laughs> were you here last night? <laughs> we're going to take another break. Where are we at? There's some patrons. Hello, kids. That was patronizing. <laughs> that was. We're going to talk next year's Olympics in Tokyo. Well, since tennis returned to the Olympics in 1984, five Americans have won gold medals in singles. Capriati in Barcelona, Venus in Sydney, Serena in London, and the clean sweep in Atlanta with Andre on the men's side and L. Davenport on the women's side. And by the way, Mary Jo and, and Gigi won the doubles that year. And so as we uh, flash back, I, I would ask you, where does that rank on the list of things you've achieved in your career? Yeah, really high. Mm. It, it, you know, for, for definitely for my family, it was the biggest one. My father was an Olympian, and um, it was a big deal. Just even to be part of the team. We had so many players in the top 10. It was a dogfight every Olympics to try and even make the team. I, I think in Sydney, we had four players in the top 10, and only three of us could qualify. Right. And that's how crazy it was. <laughs> and it always always gets down to the wire in these Olympic qualification scenarios. I don't think it'll be any different come next June. Well, uh, everybody is excited about the Tokyo prospects. We are now less than a year away from the games there. The qualification process has started. Obviously, Serena is a multiple medal winner in the past. Do you expect her to, to lead Team USA next year? I, I really do. I mean, the clock started the Monday after the French Open. So all ranking points accrued from, what was it, June 9th on. Serena already has a Wimbledon final under her belt. Mm -hmm. She's making noise here already in New York. I mean, this is where the list stands going into this tournament. Keys has, uh, will have overtaken Kennan when this tournament's over. But it's going to be a tight battle. And keep in mind, the top four players make it in. Look where Venus Williams is at number nine. Yeah. While there are wild cards at the Olympics, there is not a wild card if your country can fill the four-player singles Six. quota. And that's the problem, and that's the challenge that's going to be for Venus. And if your top four players are sort of in the top 55 to 60, that's usually where the cutoff is, right, Paul? Yeah, it is. And, and look, it's, with the Olympics, it's always so difficult because there's so many meanings to it other than just another tournament. Lindsay mentioned the emotional part to her. So I think for players that are getting pulled by the heartstrings, it has a totally different motivation level. And for them to manage it and understand what they have to do success-wise to get in adds pressure but also gives them another great opportunity. 
Venus is really interesting because here's a player, first of all, who played in 2000. So yeah. Venus and Serena both a 20-year gap. This would be their fifth Olympics. But also, this is a player who's made the Olympics a priority. Venus has been very outspoken about her patriotism. There are wild cards. There are a couple of trap doors. And if you make yourself available for play for Davis Cup or Fed Cup, if you are a former medalist, if you are a Grand Slam champion, there are the equivalent of wild cards, but it is going to be tough. There are, but you can't let five singles players right, in right, from any one country. country. And if the U.S. has four players that are in the top 40, what are you going to tell the player that you're not you're not allowed to play? I'm not saying she doesn't deserve to go. She absolutely does. But they're going to have to figure out a way if she doesn't get her ranking up to be one of the top four Americans. There's a lot of players in that. Do you guys remember when we were looking towards Rio mm -hmm. as the as the final Olympics where a lot of players are going to retire? They're all still playing. Yeah. We thought that that <laughs> might be the right. case for the Bryan Cir brothers. Circle that on the calendar. Circle that on the calendar. Bear in mind, uh, Venus has five gold medals between singles and doubles. That's uh, tied for the most gold medals in Olympic tennis history across all disciplines. So it would be great to see her make it one more time. Let's talk about the men's side, Paul. And, and I would uh, ask you about Taylor Fritz. Uh, has he expressed a desire to be there and that this is something important for him? I actually haven't even asked him about it. Really? I, I, I have know. not. You know, Taylor is a guy that uh, lives for the now but hopefully plans for the future. This is a conversation uh, that we'll have to talk about this fall. Uh, he's first on the standings right here, but as Lindsay mentioned, there's a lot of things that can happen and a lot of players that can slide up these ranks. But look, for any of these guys that are listed in here to be able to play for your country, it is an honor that they're all passionate about how they prioritize it and schedule to try to figure it out into the rest of the tour is a yeah. challenge for all the players. You guys remember in 2012 the event was held at the All England Club. A lot of players just kept their house rental going after Wimbledon, no problem. This is in Japan, in between Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. So a lot of players are going to really have to figure out: is this the best thing for my schedule? Also, in London, the ATP gave points for the Olympics, which is not the case anymore. I wonder if that will factor into some guys' decision. Yeah, well, you hope not. You you hope that the medal stuff and the Olympics, being the Olympics, kind of supersedes all of that. Right. But with the scheduling challenges that already exist. It's a very tough conversation. Is it is it a case where once you've experienced the if you don't really feel you're a contender to win a medal once you've experienced it once or twice that maybe you go another route? It in could this be and for other players it's the absolute highlight of their right. career even just being a part of the Olympics for every player views it differently. Some it might be how they were raised if the Olympics were part of their household. Per, I, I don't know. One of my greatest moments watching was watching Rafa win the gold medal in doubles in, 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 in Rio in 2016 oh, oh, with right, Mark right, right, Lopez. Right, right, he already right. had a singles gold right. medal and he put his heart and soul on the line and you could see the jubilation. You also can tell by the mixed doubles entry. Mm -hmm. These players want right. medals badly and, and they'll play any discipline to be able to get it. Some great emotional moments at the Olympics. Right. And we, we would be naive too. We probably ought to nod to some sponsor obligations and you're paying top stars millions and millions of dollars to wear your shoes and apparel. You'd like them to do that at the international stage of the Olympics. But no, I mean, you see, we saw it with Roger in Beijing. We saw it with Rafa in Rio. It is a big deal to try and win a medal for these decorated stars. And by the way, and then there's the, the doubles guys like Bob and Mike who won the gold in London, then didn't play in Rio. Uh, one of the guys expressed concerns about the Zika virus, which I think some other players also express concern about. It'd be great for them to get one more shot at a medal. I think that they're probably looking at that with, with one corner. I mean, it's hard. When you get older, you never know if you're going to be healthy or not, but it would definitely be on their list of priorities if they're still playing and healthy. 
All right, so the Tokyo Olympics start next July 24th. The qualification process is underway, and the tennis always starts on day one of the Olympics. Here comes the seven train. It will examine the day's big storylines. Rafa won the gold in Beijing in singles. Stan and Roger won the doubles. Week two is underway. That's the trophy they're playing for. Glad you're back with us on TC Live. Lindsay Davenport, John Wertheim, Brett Haber. Another star-studded evening on Ash Stadium last night. People Magazine and Extra Extra bring us the stars in the stands. How about a double dose of the Barden Bellas? That's Anna Kendrick and Brittany Snow. Oh, man. And we had Rebel Wilson the, uh, the day before. That's right. right. Got totally. all the Bellas. Lindsay wants to do the cups song. Can you do it? No. Yeah, take the mug. And I cannot. I get it. That would be shattered if I tried to do that, Brett. That's a good song, around. though. Uh, that is, oh. that's two Chris's, Rock and McDonald. That's Shooter McGavin, right? That is Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore and Chris Rock of I everything. Seen better acting in tough acting to action. <laughs> that might be my favorite Chris Rock line of, uh, of all time. That is an interesting That's Hollywood Squares team right there. Not a shot directly at no. Christopher McDonald. You're no. just quoting one of his more famous lines. Uh, Tom Hiddleston has not missed a Joe Conta match, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's an integral part of this team right now. He cannot play, though, if she plays a night match. Because he's on he Broadway. Come and watch. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He's in Betrayal on Broadway, and I just texted my kids who informed me that he is Loki in the Avengers movies. Of course so, he is. Uh, People Magazine and Extra Extra have all the stars in the stands, and make sure you check out the premiere of Extra Extra with Billy Bush as the host September 9th on Fox. Uh, time to look at a match using the UTR, the advanced algorithm that analyzes players and matchups. We're going to look at the Diego Schwartzman, Sasha Zverev match. Zverev is six in the world, but Diego has the better UTR. Yeah, does that account for the fact that Zverev has played 14 sets of tennis already and has a lot going on uh, off the court? Jim picked this as an upset, and the UTR would uh, support that. Despite 15 places in the ranking, UTR picking our friend, the microdoser. Here he is right here, the, the, the mini-man from Argentina. Getting ready for an indoor match probably later in the day, but that's a pretty significant difference in that three-month UTR. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of tense points of a difference, but Schwartzman has more momentum coming in, like the way those Zverev has been able to fight through. He's getting through those tough matches. We haven't always been able to say that about right. him at the majors. Well, what about uh, Diego Schwartzman? Uh, he's been to 11 in the world. Seems like the last couple of years he's been hovering between there and about 25 in the world. Is he a guy who has kind of a, a ceiling, and I, I don't mean that as a pun, just because of the sort of the fundamental limitations of, of his size and his weapons? I, I mean, you'd like to bring, ideally you'd like to have more weapons you could bring to battle, but he moves well. He hits a fairly big ball, and I think the surface also really plays to him. Yeah, it's always going to be a challenge for him to be able to hold a serve every time. And, and he does a fantastic job of breaking serve and trying to dictate points from the back of the court. But potentially there is. It's going to be hard for him in the big occasions, serving out a match. His opponents know they have an opportunity to break most return games. All right, Schwartzman and Zverev second on Ash today. Go to myutr.com to check on the data for your favorite player. Diego, gonna, I thought he was going to do some agility in those wow. tape marks on the floor. He's just going to lie down maybe. So That's flexibility. Maybe touch his toes. Serena on the practice court. Fans are watching closely. She will play Wang Chung on Tuesday in the quarters. Back in a moment. 
A reminder, it's easy to stay connected to the U.S. Open on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, YouTube as well. Just join the conversation with hashtag U.S. Open. That is Serena Williams getting in some practice. She's got the day off. She took a bad ankle roll, spent hours treating it yesterday. We'll see how she pulls up tomorrow. But uh, as usual, she's out there, and uh, we'll see what goes on. All right. For the second year in a row, two young Canadians played one another. Felix Auger-Aliassime lost to this man, Denis Shapovalov. But we have seen some great tennis from both of them, especially for Denis, now that he's picked up a new coach. Felix, a bit woebegone after this one, wasn't he? Paul and Jim. It was kind of rough on him, considering he's had a very nice look in 2019. Oh, he's had an amazing run. He's doing things we haven't seen for a long time by top players. Youngest in the top 25 by late, since Leighton Hewitt. That's 20 years since that's happened. Uh, this, this guy is legit. And Paul and I are both enormous fans of Felix's potential, Mary. Uh, I'm convinced he's going to win majors and be number one in the world. But there's wow. work to be done, and that's where Paul and I are going to Lend a hand, hopefully. Here we go. Another edition of Coach's Corner. He's got a beautiful build. He's 6'4". He's kind of built like Novak Djokovic. Can he play like Novak Djokovic? Well, that's certainly the model for him. He's very balanced off the ground. One area where I've looked at uh, through Paul's expertise, we've talked about it, the second serve. There's room for him to change to be more like Novak. When they hit their second serves, Felix hits almost all of them with a slice where Novak hits his with a kick serve, topspin. And the difference in margin for error is dramatic. Novak gets five more inches of, inches of net clearance. That's a lot of safety. And then also Novak's ball bounces significantly higher. Five foot seven, that's up and out of the strike zone of most players. Felix's slice serve comes in at four foot two and screams, hit me. And uh, there's a real reason that, that uh, Novak wins 56% of his second serve points. A, he's better. B, he's putting people at a disadvantage. So how do you fix it? Yeah. Ball toss is the key for Felix, who's in the red here. He's tossing too far forward, making contact up there. He needs to move that ball back about 10 inches, which is where Novak's ball is in, uh, in relation to the baseline, and also further over to his left, to Felix's left. So further back further left that way if you toss it over this way you can hit the racket that way over the ball that creates the top spin right now he's throwing it out in front and going around the side not getting much bang for his buck Paul yeah that's a, that's a great way to look at it when you pull the ball back just think of it as an hourglass right and if you pull a ball back you can hit eight o'clock with your racket head and go and up and an over to two o'clock an hourglass you mean a clock clock of a face of a clock okay, okay go from eight to two that gives you the top spin and the kick, and that's the safety that Jim's talking about, and those five extra inches of net clearance creates a lot of opportunity, and it's built into the second part of the phase for, for FAA. We want him to hit serve plus one, get aggressive with that forehand, and when he does that, he does it extremely well, but in order to do it, you got to have some safety. So you got to have safety on the serve, hit your targets, and then try to get that uh, serve plus one. So guys, let's see a little video of what we want him to try to do. Here's the serve plus one, the wide serve. Look at the footwork inside the baseline that allows him to dictate doesn't have to hit aces again opening the court up look at the court position serve and the good forehand to finish and right here that's a big one up the middle that's the first serve and then the aggressive footwork to get up to that forehand the way he can do it successfully and consistently is by getting the margins up and that's exactly what Jim showed us and look at the master of it Rafael Nadal first serve plus forehand does it 13 percent more often 
often than FAA and does it 17% more often than FAA on the second serve. So serve plus one being that forehand is a great play for FAA and you don't have to be a great pure server to be able to do that. I got to tell you guys we've seen him at times when he's when he's struggling he hits a lot of double faults as well. Is that pressure added to technique that uh, gets him in trouble? Personally, I think it's mostly technique. I mean, yeah. the pressure, uh, he just doesn't have a safety serve. And we're seeing it with really three of our leading lights trying to come up and challenge. Tsitsipas also having some issues with his ball toss. Sasha Zverev having some double fault issues these days too, which it's not something that we saw a lot of amongst the, the big three except for Djokovic. He went yeah. through a period of time where yes. he had double fault issues as well. It can obviously be overcome, but for Felix, he's winning less than half of his second serve points, and he's still in the top 20 in spite of that. There's yeah. just so much room to improve for him. This is, this is a positive in many ways. And I ask you, you both because... We, we, we study serving so much. How hard a thing is, will it be for Felix Auger Aliassime to correct that serve to make it more stable, more reliable? Uh, I don't think it's that difficult. I like his serve motion. It's pretty simplistic. Gets a racket up nice and early. It's that abbreviated motion we've seen a lot of players use these days. And at his age and the level of physicality he has, it's not a huge thing to change. Um, to me, one of the more important things is defining what kind of server you want to be. Is what he should gonna, he want Well, to be? right now, he needs to be consistently strategic. In order to do that the right way, he's got to get the margin that Jim's talking about. As he gets older, he's got plenty of athleticism. He's got a lot of power and a nice elastic arm and athletic body. So he's going to be a real big server, get the strategy part done, get the consistency part done, and the technique done now. The power is going to come and the consistency will come after. And we talk about this a lot, Jim. If you are struggling with your serve, it affects the rest of your game. Right. Well, it's, it's the one area where you're in control. The rest of the time, you're reactive. When you're receiving serve or in rally, you're, you're adapting to what's coming at you. Yeah. This one's hard to explain away because you're in control. You can't blame anyone for serving troubles. It's not about anyone having a good day. It's about you battling it. So off-season, that's probably the time to address this, I would think, more than anything. There's still plenty of big tennis to be played for him before he gets there. But I certainly would like him uh, to come to Australia armed with a kick serve. That would be kind of nice. All right. Sounds I've good. cornered you coaches for long enough. <laughs> We're going to take another break. It's kind of a funky day here, uh, but plenty of people are out to, wa <laughs> to watch. And that's nice to see. We've been talking about Felix's serve. One of the all-time great serves belongs to that woman, Serena Williams, in the quarters. Kid looked like he had a pretty good ground game. Yes, he did. <laughs> Tennis Channel Live, and you can see the kids are playing outside. There is rain in the forecast, uh, so that water could be coming down instead of up soon. Of course, we're all a little bit worried about the hurricane, but hopefully it won't hit this uh, East Coast too badly. All right, John Wertheim, we are ready for your stat. All today. right, you ready? It may be under the roof, as Mary says, but Christy Ahn is playing a round of 16 match against Elise Merton. She is making the most of this U.S. Oh. Open appearance, is Christy <laughs> Ahn. She played here as a 16-year-old in 2008. She lost to Dinara Safina for perspective, and now she's back 11 years later. This is one of my favorite week one stories. It has been more than four thousand days in between her U.S. Open appearances. That is not a record. Our friend 
Renee Richards played in 1960 and then again in 1977, a 17-year gap. A little different yes. circumstances, but Christy on 11 years, and now she's back in her mid-20s making the most of it. What a feel-good story. Great yeah. story. Yeah, that's really, really nice. And she plays Elise Mertens in the next round. We'll see what happens uh, with Christiane. All right, that is a good stat. I like that one. Let's go to some social media. And Jimmy Connors. Happy birthday to hey, him. Hey, Jimmy, Five happy birthday. Five-time champion, the only man, the and legend. this will always be uh. true, to win the U.S. Open on three different surfaces. He did it on grass. He did it on clay. And, boy, did he do it here. Uh, this was. Uh, these memories are etched in my mind, and this man was a legend, someone that just epitomizes relentless competitive spirit. He and, was, uh, yeah, and, and he was 39 years old when he made his way to the 1991 U.S. Open semis, John. So what is he, 67 Happy birthday, now. Jimmy. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. This is what they came for. <laughs> this is another champion, Joe Hunt, who lost his life in service to his country, uh, won the U.S. Nationals. That was back in 1943. Uh, this uh, military, we salute the military every Labor Day. Um, military families, wounded warriors from around the country will be honored here. And there's a terrific story uh, that Tennis Channel has done on Joe Hunt. If you haven't seen it, you can find it. What a guy. This is Nitin Varma did this piece yeah. for Tennis Channel, who also did that excellent Noah Rubin piece that you and I watched a few segments ago. Joe Hunt, the USTA, renaming Memorial Day in his honor. Yeah. Former champion, that's a nice touch. All right, uh, we have another one for you. This is from Tennis Channel's own Mark Knowles, the great doubles champion, is from the Bahamas. And boy, oh boy. For every good reason, he is concerned. Boy, Knowles, thinking about you and all the other folks in the Bahamas, this storm is a monster. Thoughts and prayers for everybody. Stay safe. All right, some final thoughts when we return on this Labor Day Monday, the 2019 U.S. Open. Back on TC Live, getting ready for the start of week two, last stages of the round of 16. Want to bring you our rocket shot of the day. It comes courtesy of Grigor Dimitrov. He's in the far court here against Alex Dimonor. Dimitrov uh, using his wheels. What a great athlete. We, we applaud uh, Dimonor for his offensive mindset. Not a big guy, but uh, just too much for Dimitrov, who is making a nice run out here at this tournament. Well needed, back into the top 50 with his results so far, and he'll play Federer next. Great stuff for him. Watch this left hand hitting the ground so that he doesn't fall down. Nice. That is a Djokovic-like split. Fantastic stuff from Still Grigor. Still a pretty nice week for Alex Dimonor, who got his first top 10 win and his first trip to the round of 16 at a major. Thumbs up to the Demon. As we have our time for match point, parting thoughts for each of our panelists. Martina, lead us off. I gotta go with Christian and Taylor Townsend. Between the two of them, they won eight matches this year. Each won four. No expectations. By far the biggest uh, run in their career here and by far the biggest paycheck. So here is to perseverance to our American tennis players. You're here. Well, I like that. I'm going to keep going with that. So nice to see Taylor Townsend playing and getting a night session. We talk about serve and volley. It's back. And will her opponent, Bianca Andreescu, use another shot we don't see much of? It's called a lob. You hit it over the tennis player's head. We don't get that, but it's a great tactic when the opponent charges. But Taylor Townsend reminds us not all tennis players look alike. They don't all play alike. They don't all mature alike. But it's great to see her still in her early 20s playing here, piercing the public consciousness. One of my favorite stories of the tournament so far. Here, here, Jim. 
John, in your weekly column for Sports Illustrated, a lot of your followers are always asking you questions about the greatest of all time. And there's always so much focus on how many grand slams are these players winning. I want to point to another metric that is really important. That's weeks at number one. Novak Djokovic is going to tie Jimmy Connors the week after this tournament ends, and he's going to get Yvonne Lendl a couple of weeks later, and he'll just be looking up to Pete Sampras and Roger Federer. And if he can hold on to number one through the end of this year and all the way out to around Wimbledon next year, he will catch Roger Federer. This, for me, is a sort of a silent race, but Djokovic spoke of it in his press conference last night. He is very aware that he needs to have a big fall. He needs to be healthy because he's defending a lot of points. He was a champion in Shanghai. He was uh, very deep in both the finals of Paris, finals of London, and Nadal, remember, did not play at all after the U.S. Open last year. Nadal is ahead in the race for points leaders mm -hmm. this year, right. and that's a little sort of a secret race that is could be significant once we look but back on this in historically. Yeah, if you follow the rankings, the 52-week cycle, Novak has about a 3,700-point lead right now, but as Jim pointed out, that could evaporate with everything he has to defend. Uh, quick thoughts on some of the key matches today, uh, starting with Osaka and Bencic. John, Bencic is a great variety player. Is that the kind of opponent that could bumfuzzle a power player like <laughs> Osaka? <laughs> I, uh, I, I envision some bumfuzzling potentially. Um, no, but Bencic, not specifically Bencic, has beaten Naomi Osaka twice, including on hard courts earlier this year. Again, I think Osaka has to take so much away from that match with Coco Goff, both in terms of the tennis and beyond the tennis, but this could be a really interesting match. I, I got a Google bum, bum puzzle, but uh, I, I, it's it's on Osaka's racket. I think she'll be able to adjust. I think uh, she's got too much firepower for Benchich. Also, question mark with Benchich's foot. We'll see what happens. The question also is, does Osaka have a letdown after such an emotional match with Coco with such a focus on it? This one much more under the radar. There's always the risk of that situation, too. All right, other match we want to look at is the Taylor Townsend match against young Bianca Andrescu. How much will Taylor come forward in, in this match? And Bianca has some variety, too. Could she do some bum-fuzzling in this match with her <laughs> tactics? Well, that's exactly right. Halep could not adjust to uh, to Taylor coming in and having her nose really literally on top of the net for a second volley. So I think we'll see a lot more lobbing from Andreescu, and it's going to be more difficult for Taylor to find the openings. And Andreescu may lob when they're both at the baseline. She's bringing <laughs> the moon ball back yeah. in, into play. She's got all the shots. It's awesome to watch. She's one of my favorites these days, too, because of that variety she brings. Lots of power, good movement, all of that, but she's got the slice. This is going to be a connoisseur's delight. Yes, it is. And Martina, you talked about the novelty factor with Taylor Townsend. Players aren't used to seeing this. How do you practice against someone that charges in? But Andreescu still in that rookie phase where she's a bit of an unknown quantity. These two have never met before, yep. and I think Andreescu too will benefit from still being a bit of an unknown. All right. Well, uh, that was a rhetorical question, apparently. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition <laughs> of TC Live. Day. Allow myself to introduce myself. Here's how you can watch the U.S. Open on this Labor Day. You can start uh, on ESPN2 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We'll have encore coverage on Tennis Channel beginning at midnight and right back at it 8 a.m. tomorrow for another three-hour edition of Tennis Channel Live. For Jim and Martina and John and all of us at Tennis Channel, I'm Brett and Enjoy day eight at the U.S. Open. Sasha Zverev, he's played a lot of tennis, 14 sets in three matches. What will he have less for Diego Schwartzman today? Osaka defending that title. Quarterfinals will be set at the end of tonight.